Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get a, oh yeah, what's up enterprisers, welcome to episode 130 of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. Karen Walker is an executive coach, consultant, speaker, and author focused on helping senior leaders create internal strategies that support their organization's external growth. We talk about how she learned how to think and how that's helped lead to success in her current business. Karen teaches us about the balance between driving results through others and doing things yourself. Let's dig in after this short message. Seems everyone is podcasting these days. But if you want to do it right and stand out from the crowd, you need to contact Enterprise Now. E-Now Podcast Solutions is second to none in providing best-in-class customer service and delivering top-quality podcast production. Podcast editing can be time-consuming and tedious. You're a podcaster. That's what you do best. Let us do the dirty work for you. Besides, it's what we do best. Then all you have to do is your awesome show. We can help with basic editing, mixing, promotion, delivery, tagging, and pro editing. Whatever you need, we can do it for you. Check us out and see all the ways we can make your podcast sound amazing and professional. Visit enterprise-now.biz slash production. All right, Karen, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Perfect. Perfect. First of all, Karen, let me say it's early in the morning here in Wisconsin. So I know it's a little bit early where you are too. So I appreciate you um, waking up early and being with us this morning. Thank you. Another uh, excuse to see a beautiful sunrise. So I'm happy for that. Thanks. And I appreciate you not rubbing in the nice weather that you guys are having down there in sunny Florida. I'll just say it's early in the podcast yet, Elsie. So <laughs> that could come, but but yeah. So we 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 are not having uh, snow and uh, freezing temps. It's true. Yeah, I will say though that this day, this particular day, uh, when we're recording this episode, it's um, supposed to be about fifty degrees in Wisconsin. Nice. And in January, when we're recording this, that's pretty sweet. So. Yeah, that's terrific. I was just up in Garrison, New York, and uh, it was a, it was beautiful. I was there for a week, and we had temperatures just like you're describing. And then we had one day of snow, which, you know, all of us that um, that love snow, I, get, I got my snow fix, and um, and now I'm out of it. So all good. That doesn't count, Karen. You can't get, be in the snow <laughs> and then can. leave it. Why can't that, you? Why can't you create that for yourself? That you doesn't can. count. You have to be in it day after day after week after week. <laughs> 
Well, at any rate, well, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, the, the other thing I like to do right off the bat is to ask you to tell us about yourself. Now, when I say that, feel free to go all the way back to the day you were born, or you can start more current day. Tell us about yourself. All right. Well, I know we, this is not a multi-hour podcast, so I will uh, condense and be concise. I think just my way anyway. Um, I'll just say, first off, I had amazing parents. Um, I'm the oldest of four. My parents um, never, both never put limits on me about what I could do, uh, but also were so encouraging for us. You know, we had a house that was full of books. I was taken to the library as frequently as I wanted to go. Um, there was never a question of whether or not any of us were going to college. It was just which college. And it wasn't that we were super wealthy and uh, my parents were both uh, first generation uh, college in their family. Um, it's just the environment that I grew up in. I grew up in an environment that valued achievement and uh, that was nurtured. And so I, I think that's, um, that's like the most important thing I could tell you about where I'm from. Um, I'll also say I grew up in West Texas. So <clears throat> my high school was the Friday Night Lights High School, if you've read that book or seen that series. So I grew up with oil and football. And uh, those are two things I think you have to put your head down and just persevere in order to break through. And uh, those were also big life lessons for me. Um, and then I, I uh, went to college and got an engineering degree and um, ended up um, after a short stay at a Fortune 100 company at a little startup called Compact Computer. And I could talk more about that now or later if you want, but that certainly shaped uh, the rest of my life, uh, that experience of that um, sort of ultra high growth um, uh, tech startup that was the fastest growing company in American history at the time. Um, and now the last uh, many years, I've had a executive consulting practice where I work with senior leaders in their teams, CEOs, CXOs, on making sure they're clear about what they're doing and why, and then helping them execute it, which is all around creating these internal strategies to support the external growth that's going on in the company. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and um, get to know uh, you a little bit better. What's your favorite thing to do? Oh, wow. Well, my favorite thing to do would have to be to read. I know we're not doing uh, video right now, but if we were, you would see a, a giant uh, wall of books behind me uh, in, a, in a bookcase. And um, my favorite thing, it's, I say read, but it's all about gathering information. I am at my core a problem solver, I think. Uh, and I uh, love to take in information. And then, of course, you don't know when you're going to when you're going to need what. Um, but if, for example, in my coaching practice, when the door is closed, you never know what you're going to hear. Um, so having lots of bits of information or methodologies uh, at my disposal comes in really handy. So I'd say that's my that's my one thing I can't not do. Now, tell me a little bit more about your um, your schooling. You mentioned you went to school for engineering. What kind? I'm an industrial engineer. Um, I went to a school that had been uh, formerly an all-male school. I was early. Uh, I was the first woman in many of my classes and the only woman in a significant number of them. Um, so I didn't have what I would call an amazing college experience from a social perspective, but I had a I got what I wanted, the reason I went, which was a terrific uh, engineering degree. And that basically taught me how to think in a, in a way that was a, in many ways reinforcing uh, what I had learned at home from my engineering father and my nurse mother. Uh, but I, the, the logic and then the, the ability to weave people into a, uh, to, to look at a system from both perspectives. Uh, was really important. And that's what industrial engineering, I think, really does. It, it's all about efficiency at the end of the day, right? That's what it was founded on. Uh, but efficiency um, is false if you don't take all the parts of the system 
into consideration. Now, so you mentioned that um, your your degree was in industrial engineering. Take mm-hmm. take us through the connection, right? You go to school for industrial engineering. You start working at this um, this startup company, and then you transition into your own business. Connect the dots for us. Yeah. Well, the, um, I have to say it wasn't wasn't a plan, uh, and I actually try to underscore that with people I talk to who are very early in their careers is it's good to make a plan, um, but don't get um, don't fall in love with your plan. Occasionally, you'll have people who were born knowing what they want to do. I think that's not true for most people. Uh, so I left uh, college. I had interned um, at a big Fortune 100 company uh, that was in the tech space, and I went to work for them right out of school. Uh, and I noticed after a couple of years, that people that I really thought a lot of were leaving the organization. Uh, first, a few senior managers and then a few other people. Uh, and there was uh, sort of this rumor mill right flying around about what they were doing. And it was actually they were starting another tech company. And there was a lawsuit about poaching employees. So no one no one could be uh, reached. They couldn't reach out to any of us. And you had to call them. Um, and we didn't know what they were building because no product had been announced yet. So eventually, because of the quality and the caliber of people that were leaving, I called and uh, I went over and it turned out to be Compact Computer. Uh, they were building the first uh, portable business-oriented computer uh, that it was compatible with the uh, business software of the day, which was IBM software. Uh, I was employed 104. We hadn't shipped any products yet, made any revenue. Uh, at the end of the first year, we had uh, done $111 million. Um, by the time I left 14 years later, we were $15 billion with about 17,000 employees. And I was fortunate enough to be there at the time where I was able to be part of the senior team. I grew with the company. Uh, my skills grew with the company. And I was in charge of all the global physical infrastructure, which was an amazing job. Um, I was, you know, I worked all over the world. I had a a staff of hundreds um, all over the world. I had thousands of consultants and contractors. I had a giant job. But I realized after that number of years that the company wasn't going to, my job wasn't going to get any different. It was just going to get bigger. And I didn't want to just keep doing the same thing for the rest of my life. And at that point in a big company, it's hard to, it's hard to shift. You get in a box, right? These are, these are the skills that Karen has. This is the space she knows. And it's risky for a company to move someone from a, a senior level position like that into a different field. So I um, got ready to leave. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about and um, analyzing you know, what it would be like to leave because the hard thing, of course, is leaving the money at that point, money and the options. Uh, but I realized that it would be okay, right? I could put food on the table. Um, I knew I could get another job. And I knew I was too busy at that moment to figure out what I wanted to do next that if I made a decision in that state, I would pick something that was um, safe and known, and I wouldn't do enough exploring. So I quit not knowing what I was going to do next. And I moved from Texas to New York. I took classes at Columbia. I went to conferences. I read a lot of interesting books. I met interesting people. And eventually, I met my now husband, who's a PhD psychologist, who comes at problems from a very different place than I do, or did. And um, we formed our consulting company. He was already working with uh, CEOs and uh, I joined him and um, we've, it's just been a very rewarding practice, uh, both in terms of my own personal growth and development and in terms of the, the work and the change that we've been able to make with our clients. 
Wow, very cool. Uh, with that, I'm sure that during those transitions, both from college to um, working and from working uh, for a small company that grew mm-hmm. into a huge, you know, extremely large company and then transitioning into your own um, firm, I'm sure you experienced challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how did you approach those challenges? How did you overcome those challenges? I'd say in two ways. One is um, just a propensity to sort of knuckle down and get things done. Um, and that certainly was the case at Compaq a lot. And I have to say for anyone who starts a, uh, as part of a small um, entrepreneurial company, it's the same thing, right? You just have to get the, the ball over the goal line to go back to the, the West Texas analogy. Um, and so you, you do what it takes to get things done. Um, the, the other thing is there's, you have to have an innate confidence in yourself that you can succeed. And so I know that I know how to solve problems. It may not always be the most efficient way or the most elegant way, but I can solve a problem. Uh, and so when faced with a challenge, um, having that confidence, I think, was very helpful. I, I will say, though, the other thing to think about is anything that's a true strength for you, right? Like for me, problem solving can be a weakness if you overdo it. And so making sure that the challenge needs to be overcome Making sure that the problem needs to be solved uh, is a question that I had to learn to ask myself. So just making sure that I'm set on the right path uh, before I uh, before I really tackle the problem. You stole my thunder, Karen. The very next question I was <laughs> going to ask you is how do you balance it? Right. Because um, you mentioned having innate confidence in yourself and your ability to solve problems. But sometimes that can come across as overconfidence or arrogance. How how do you strike that fine balance of being confident, saying, hey, I know what I bring to the table and what I'm good at and not being um, thought of as arrogant or aloof? Yeah, thank you. Um, So the first thing was was recognizing that um, it's not I solving the problem as much as it's we solving the problem. Uh, which was a big aha moment for me early in my career um, when I became a manager because I'm not one of those people who came out of the womb knowing how to manage and lead. I knew how to do, but not how to manage and lead. And so the aha moment that uh, that I could achieve more if we achieved more. Uh, and so really learning how to work with other people in the system, including the people working for me, around me, above me uh, at that time, to get focused on what needed to get done and to make it happen. Uh, so I, I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is um, I would never walk into a room and say, hey, I know how to solve problems. Throw me a problem. Um, it's often tell me what's going on and let's see if we can sort out what ne- just what needs to be done next. Right. That will move us along the path to get to where we need to go. That humble confidence. So as as a leader, what's the uh, what's your philosophy on driving re- results through others versus being the the hands-on leader that actually gets things done. I know, you, again, you mentioned that you worked for both a small company and as the company grew. Talk a little, little bit about the difference in the two and, in your opinion, which is better. Getting things done through others is a skill that I think we all need to have. Um, not everybody has it, and uh, some of us learned to, had to learn it the hard way, uh, as I did. Um, so I think the first thing is, and, and then I see this over and over again with, with my clients is you you have to realize just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. And there are a number of reasons for that, right? One is that 
Um, if you're doing it, you're not spending your time doing something else that might be more valuable both to yourself and to your organization. Um, and you're not developing the people around you if you're doing it. So uh, effective uh, sort of delegating, having people work on teams where uh, you get diverse thought, diverse opinion, diverse skill sets focused on the problem uh, will almost always lead you to a better solution. Not always a quicker solution, but often a better solution. And so I think um, that's really important. Now, in a very small company, in a startup, there aren't a lot of other people around who have the time to focus on your problems. Right. So they're focused on their problems because in a startup, there's always more to do than there is time to do. And so I think um, this thinking about sort of effective use of resources um, and problem solving is um, is a good place to start. Right. What are what are the resources that could be used um, if I need them um, in solving this problem? But in a small company, you know, you don't have, um, quote, a lot of arms and legs. To, to help you uh, with many things. You just have to figure it out yourself. Awesome answer. Awesome answer. Um, so given that, what are some of your keys to success? Yeah, well, the, the first thing I would say is, um, is definitely the, the background uh, for my parents, uh, the willingness to make a mistake and learn from it. Uh, the word debrief appears in my life a lot. So uh, do things and analyze how they went. Uh, learn from them and then do again. And I try to do quick successive iterations of that. Um, you know, it's, it, we think about agile, which is a term used in the software industry for how software, uh, is developed, uh, which is sort of setting out, um, a path, having some values, figuring out what you need to do in the next iteration. I think that's true for, for most of what we do in life. Set some goals, move towards them, and then see how that's going. Uh, and then course correct. Um, I've, uh, I've just, uh, come out with a book called No Dumbing Down, which is a guide for CEOs and other senior leaders on, uh, on organizations. And it's sort of a primer and, and the, some of the techniques that are there, I think, are really useful. The first is this idea of no dumbing down. Just the, the simple fact that a, a team or an organization can only perform at the level of its lowest performing member. Uh, and so making sure when you put your organization together, when you put your team together, that people uh, on the team are able to perform at their highest level and that that level is what's needed to, to approach the problem. Otherwise, it's sort of like having a weak link, right? And the, the other thing that happens is that your A players don't want to work on teams where they can't work at their potential. And so you end up losing them or not getting from them uh, either what they want to give or what you need. Uh, and often they'll, they'll exit. So making sure there's no dumbing down going on in the organization is a really important tip too. Wow. We could do a, an entire episode on the, that last point. You mentioned how A players don't want to work or don't, don't want to work with people who are not right. going to bring it every game. Right. Um, that is so, so, so important with three souls. <laughs> because like you said, <laughs> your A player is, is going to drive results. They want to execute. And if they're on a team with people who don't, you're going to lose them. Right. And sometimes it's not that the people don't want, although that's sometimes the case, it's that they, they can't, right? They either don't have the technical skills to do what needs to be done for their part of the team, or they don't have the, the social or teaming skills to do what needs to be done, right? Either conflict is not resolved well. Um, uh, sometimes we have different goals. We have different means of, of getting to things. Uh, we have different priorities, that have been um, set by people around us. And it, it, it 
doesn't make for a, a good team experience. Uh, sometimes I'll work with my clients and uh, when I first start working with a team, I'll ask them, so tell me about sort of your best team experience or your worst team experience. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, there are no shortage of uh, examples of worst team experiences. Uh, but what the people tell me is, you know, 90% the same. And those, um, those bad team experiences can really put us off from wanting to work in a team again. But then when you ask about the good team experiences, people light up and there's, there's often a sports team or occasionally a small work team that people have been on where, uh, you know, you just know things are clicking. You have complementary skills. The, the goal is clear. The leadership is there. Conflict gets resolved. Um, and the, the, the ability, uh, it, it makes you want to do more, right? Uh, to be able to contribute in that way and whatever it is that you're focusing on at that moment. Uh, and I think those are, those are moments that, at least for those of us that were fortunate enough to work in startups, um, often try to recreate because we know that that's when we're working at our best. Awesome. So we've learned a lot about you, your background, um, your, your, how you came up sort of in the college, um, uh, arena and transitioned and your favorite thing to do. Tell us about your business. What do you do? Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, as I mentioned briefly earlier, I work with CEOs and other senior leaders in organizations. Um, I'm uh, pretty agnostic as terms to industry, but um, I'd say more than half my clients are in the technology space. And that's just because a lot of my work is referral. And so I work with people and they go to other companies and they take me with them or they refer me to their friends who uh, sometimes are in the same same field. Um, but typically I'll, I'll go in and work with a CEO to make sure that um, we a have a team that can work together. Uh, that they're clear about what they're doing. They have uh, ways of holding themselves accountable for what they're doing. There's never a shortage of good intentions, right? It's how do we hold ourselves accountable as a group, not just uh, as an individual, uh, to make sure that those things get done, uh, making sure that we are uh, clear over the course of time that the path we've chosen is still correct or we make course corrections. Um, and then um, working with, uh, often I'll do leadership development in organizations, because as a company grows, um, the leaders um, have to do less, uh, and others on the team have to have to learn to do more. Uh, so there's uh, there's never a shortage of a call for leadership, just a shortage of leaders. Um, so I would say the, the work sort of falls into these two camps. One is uh, sort of thinking bigger, thinking big, uh, and then making sure you've got the right skills, processes, tools, behaviors, uh, to get the work done that needs to get done. Very, very cool. Now, as we kind of wrap things up, um, Karen, can you give the enterprisers, which what I call my, my listeners, nice. yeah. one actionable tip or step to improve their business today? Yeah. So I think the, the first thing is, uh, making time to think, uh, the, we, we get so, we often get so caught up in the urgent, uh, that we, we just do what's right in front of us that quote seems to make sense. I don't think anybody is spending their time doing a lot of things they don't think need to be done. But the question is, is it the right thing to be spending your time on? And often organizations will have annual strategy retreats or, you know, at the end of the year or the beginning of the year, we'll take time to think about our goals for the year. But I think we have to do it more frequently than that. Um, I think everyone, both on an individual and an organization level, needs to get um, time on a, on a rhythmic, regular, scheduled basis to, to think bigger. I call it levitating, right? So you sort of get up above it all and you, you see um, 
both what's going on in your organization, what's going on in your field, what's going on in your career, what some other options are, to really see the possibilities and then choose from that what's most important, where you want to go, and uh, how to spend your time there. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I think of about clients I have, and, and certainly I was the same way when I was uh, working inside an organization, but it's just back-to-back meetings from the time you get to the office, or maybe you've had a call on the way into the office, uh, and then you have back-to-back meetings, and people say, quote, I got my work done in the evenings or on the weekends. And to that, I just say, if you're not getting your work done in those meetings, why are you there? Right? So making time to think, and you have to make it, nobody else is going to make it for you. Uh, I'd say it's a, it's a big tip for, for most people. And one certainly I had to learn myself. That is awesome. I, I feel like we could extend this so far. Um, but we, we had to wrap it up. Um, if people want to learn more about what you do and or reach out to you, how can they do that? Thanks for asking. Uh, so karenwalker.us is my website. K-A-R-E-N-W-A-L-K-E-R, traditional spelling. Karenwalker.us. Um, no dumbing down is my book. So you can find that in all the places you would normally buy books, uh, or, uh, no dumbing down.com will take you to the page of my website where that occurs. And on all the social media platforms, uh, I am Karen Walker us, no dot there, just Karen Walker us. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much, Karen, for, um, being with us and sharing your knowledge and your experience. Great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Enterprisers, if you got value from that awesome conversation, let the world know by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps us know that we're bringing you golden nugget filled conversations with the most inspirational business owners. Reach out to me directly at eflinart at enterprise-now.biz with any feedback or questions for me or any of my guests. Also, don't forget to check out the Enterprisers Elite Club for thought leaders that want to learn how to leverage podcasting to launch, grow, and maximize their business. Head on over to www.enterprise-now.biz slash enterprisers to learn more. Thanks again, folks, and we'll talk with you guys next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.